0: Welcome to she Blaze, she Blaze, where we're bringing you cannabis culture from a woman's point of view. And as always, here to elevate the cannabis industry. I'm one of your hosts, Ice Dawson, Cannabis Socialite. She Blaze.
1: And I am Dashita Dawson,
0: the Weed Head. Hi, sis. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. On today's episode of She Blaze, we are only doing hot topics and the streets are talking. Florida still doesn't care about its patients. Americans are preferring cannabis over cigs and the D a.k.a. Detroit is finally opening its application process. Well, thank God for some
1: things. There's progress and then there's steps backwards. But of course, we have to kick things off with the high of the week. And I am kicking things off with what I call those great urban random finds. I am definitely very excited about my Rubik's Cube magnetic grinder, y'all. Now, first of all, you know, I'm a strategist, so I like puzzles. And this is my favorite puzzle. But one thing I love about it is that it's magnetic and so therefore it really is very easy to put together. As someone like myself with autoimmune issues, I can't turn these things very well. Anyway, you're going to find it for like $15 to $20. It depends on which outlet you choose to use. I got these off the street. So (laughs) that means a smoke shop. So I paid a little bit more of a premium, but if you get it from Amazon, you may get it for a little bit cheaper. Anyway, of course, I'm using it to grind up my favorite Super Silver Haze 503Y5 and Tangy. I've been calling it the Weed Head Special Blend.
0: Okay, Special Blend. My high of the week (laughs) is celebrating Labor Day weekend. It's a holiday weekend and it kind of feels like the end of summer. So I am spreading joy by giving you guys a short mini episode so you could go out and celebrate the rest of your weekend. I'm rolling
1: my eyes because the reality is that we got only three hot topics. They're really, really, really hot. So the episode's going to be bad short anyway. But listen, I've got a lot to say about some of these hot topics. So hopefully we'll be able to get through everything. What's up first?
0: Okay, so first, (laughs) you know, we are going to the mean streets of Florida, lizard land, um, allegedly even some cartels kind of action happening there. And (laughs) so we want to talk about Florida's medical marijuana um, program because they're actually implementing some changes. Uh, So as we've talked about in the past, Florida's medical marijuana program does have a THC cap. Well, they have decided to do an emergency rule on creating a supply cap. Yes, so you can only procure a certain amount of cannabis during the during a 35 day period and a 70-day period. And depending on the prescription, because you gotta be pres- prescribed your specific type of cannabis, whether it's edibles, vapes, smokable, whatever, that is how you will get your supply. And this emergency rule uh, doesn't have much definitions of why they decided to do their emergency rule, but it's mad whack. I mean, it's Florida. Are we surprised that it's whack? I'm not.
1: I mean, I, I know that folks who are joining us live on Facebook are probably looking at me like, uh, what's the facial expression for? It's because, like, this is business as usual as far as Florida is concerned. We're not yes. uh, unaccustomed to hearing about the way that they have limited patient access and education. Um, it is a very um, interesting market. And it's one of the markets I point to all the time at the federal level to essentially say, hey, we should not be following this model. If we want equity, if we want access, if we want sustainability. It's not a sustainable
0: model right now. It is not a sustainable model. And it also lets you know that they don't know much about like weed market dynamics, as you would say. Uh, So as far as smokable flour, you're you can only get a 35 day supply. Mm -hmm. And with that 35 day supply is only four ounces. And so they're basically telling you that is the max amount of smokable flour, which we know is leads the market that a patient can have. For edibles, inhalations, sublinguals, it's all a little different. Um, they also give a daily recommended dose. Mm-hmm. And for your edibles, it gives you 60 milligrams of THC as the daily dose. Um, for vape and concentrate, they give you 350 milligrams of THC. Interesting. I'm trying to figure out how they're
1: coming up with daily doses. Like I literally have the squinty eyes. Everything is side eye in this because I don't understand the um, concept of limiting purchases from consumers. Point blank in period, we are seeing the commoditization of cannabis over time, whether it's from the hemp derived side or the high THC marijuana derived side. And when you tell someone that they're limited as to what they can buy, the only time that's okay in regular retail, real talk, is during Black Friday time period, um, mm-hmm. where we know we have an X amount of inventory. And so when you're having a great deal, we're limiting it because we're expecting that we're going to have to service more people, right? Even when we were during the pandemic, there was limitations on a toilet paper and Clorox you could buy. What it does though, when you limit what people can buy, you limit revenue source opportunity for the retailer. And so that's why that's not regular retail market dynamics. Like that's not what you normally do. Um, and in this case they don't really have good rhyme or reason on why it's limited. I don't understand the math behind some of these um maximum uh dosage in a day and
0: why and I really don't understand the continued limitations on the flour. Um yeah well their daily recommended dose on smokable flour you guys is two point zero two five grams.
1: So two point zero two five joints, basically two joints. They're like two joints a day, and you're good to do. Everybody day, take two the doctor joints away. a day, keep the doctor away. I mean, that probably is somewhat true, <laughs> but some of y'all need to take five or <laughs> ten. Okay. It like there was some shade up in there. I'm just saying, Uh, I don't uh, like limited patient access because at the end of the day, everybody's endocannabinoid system is different. And this whole one size fits all government choosing the maximum based on really what are some really funny mathematics that can only work in a limited market like Florida, okay? It can only work somewhere where they're
0: running it like a cartel, real talk. Okay, yes, they are honey. And they even added the days you procure your medicine on the labeling so when you print oh out God. the receipt you have the <laughs> day you procure it. it that way you know you come back they know if you're in your supply um limit or whatever so they are tracking 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 y'all it may not be going through public uh safety but uh it is going through the health department and even girl Let me tell you about that governor because he is, you know, a character, honey. He said that, you know, (laughs) you guys should just be grateful to be in cannabis business in Florida because it is a it is a great business and it is valuable to have these type of licenses. You know, they would charge. He said they should charge an arm and a leg to have the business licenses. Now, I know you guys are wondering, Okay. who does he think he is? But they have over 800,000 patients and they only have 22 licenses operating. So, yeah, he's right. It is definitely quite valuable as far as y'all trying to take their coin. As far as their application, is $60,000. So get your checks up.
1: Well, I mean, Florida, it continues to be astounding in the way that they're handling this. I would say also the companies that are down there, we talked a little bit about the ballot initiative that they introduced. It doesn't have home grow. It really isn't about what the consumer needs are. It's about what they need as operators primarily. And um, that market that has 800,000 patients and only 22 operators, cut, like juxtaposed to Oregon, that is barely over 100,000 patients. And thousands of operators, we are seeing why there's some lopsidedness, and um, I think that's also why I'm constantly looking at like, okay, what's going to happen at the federal level? Because um, there are definitely some patients that are probably not being fully served in the Florida market because of limited diversity in what the product assortment is. But on Oregon market, their patients not being served because there are just a lot of like access issues, still and education issues. So no one's perfect, but those those are two opposite ends of the spectrum.
0: Um, and definitely the Florida end makes the company more money. Oh yeah. That's all they care about. And, and the state. yes, mm-hmm. care about that. And they're, like, basically going around to different markets. Let's pick the worst thing you guys did, and let's put it in our market for our patients. That's what Florida is basically doing. So. <laughs> it's like I'm, Florida. So.
1: I'm like, what do we do? I mean, we've been working on Florida-related stuff for a long time. And sometimes I feel bamboozled, like the whole, like, medical card. Uh, you know, if you're in Florida, you get a medical card. Some of that money goes to... Uh, Damn you Like it goes to um, their medical marijuana education and research initiative, the Mary program, and that should make you feel good, except they're not allowed to use any of that money on any research related to medical cannabis is weird. They, they want to teach. They want you them to use the money to teach people how to legally use cannabis as it means in Florida, obviously only, which is still a very oppressive use of cannabis. It's it's so disenfranchising. It's crazy. Meanwhile, Florida State gets all of the ducats for real research.
0: Well, Lizardland definitely is Jurassic Park right there, okay? They are moving to prehistoric (laughs) times. So with their cannabis, with their education and everything else, honey. So we got to get off of this because we got to talk about some positive things happening in the cannabis industry. This is why we fight. This is why we celebrate Labor Day. So let's move to hot topic number two, which talks about Americans preferring cannabis over cigarettes. Yes. Can you believe there is a time? Well, it is the first time, according to the survey. And really, I also think, according to people feeling open enough to come out the cannabis yes yes really Mm -hmm. and so now more Americans are now definitely uh admitting to using cannabis Mm -hmm. and in their in the survey's research they said that there are you know 14 percent more people using cannabis over cigarettes which is at around 11 percent well I mean I I definitely
1: think that this is the type of data that certainly is helpful. It would be even more helpful if p- people didn't think that marijuana was equivalent to cigarettes or tobacco, meaning like it has the same medicinal value, um, which you know tobacco has none, um, and it it actually has the same damage that you know tobacco has been known to do. All these things that are carcinogenic, and um, we haven't really. Fully proven that um, with marijuana. Now, when people rolling their stuff up in carcinogenic paper, it is a, or roll up, it is a different thing. But if that's how people are administering it, um, I think there's still probably some balance though, because at the end of the day, they're still taking in something that is um, meant to combat against cancer too. So, um, you know, it's good and bad, but I've been finding Gallup to be just catching up with. The reality. And I I think part of that has to do with what you said. More people are willing
0: to even say they consume now versus in the past. Right. And they also added for the first time the questions of are you consuming can uh, edibles? Ooh, so they okay. are moving forward, and you even see, you know, their your different scientists saying that cannabis is the future. You guys, mm, okay, yes. that's that's new for Gallup for sure. Yes, so okay. that's really exciting. Um, and that made us realize that some of the research that has come out about pharmaceutical companies seeing a decrease in prescriptions in legalized states. Yeah. So I, of course, as soon as I heard about the tobacco
1: thing, I was like, well, wait, didn't we just hear about this? But in fact, it has been impacting not only big tobacco, it meaning cannabis legalization. um, It has also been impacting uh, big pharma, big pharma seeing impact on their stocks. So um, their overall sales are down. And then they're also seeing impact on prescription use um, due to, uh, you know, again, cannabis legalization. These studies will continue. um, But that is why. And this is, again, a little bit of strategy why we got to read the tea leaves and recognize that Big Tobacco and Big Pharma just now getting on the cannabis bandwagon have for many, many, many decades been the money behind anti-marijuana campaigns at the federal level. And in some ways they're still funding this. And then they got like a little small section of their companies that are participating in the pro-marijuana uh, legalization effort. It's like they have that money to burn they're trying to hedge bets, right? When you have money, you can hedge a bet. And um, they're wanting to make sure that they wind up with the bag no matter
0: which way you go. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, I do hope that their bag does not involve making all my cannabis prescriptions okay. I see how y'all do it, and I don't like flower that look like that. Tell you that right now. You know what I'm saying? I don't care how well it still work looking like dust. I want my flower to look like a flower. You were talking about the University of Mississippi
1: DEA? Yes. Yes, is, but gosh. I'm saying
0: that you know maybe if if. A agricultural uh, college is struggling to actually grow cannabis, are we expecting something super different from pharmaceutical companies?
1: You're right about that. No, no tea, no shade. Like, I don't expect it to be anything other than what they do, which is pharmaceutical companies probably are the best at isolating molecules and then making, you know, isolate product compounds from that. And so nobody wants a whole isolate all the time. Now, if you're making beauty products, personal care products, stuff that I'm going to put topically, perhaps even then whole plant will still do better. And that's where I don't think the pharmaceutical industry is really getting it. That in this case, it is in our best interest to actually figure out how do we get the full spectrum of what the plant has to offer. And they want to put it down all the way to just the molecules. They're almost a little bit too um, rigid. And that's, you know, the (laughs) part where I like to speak the language. Of molecular biology But I also got to bring them back to the light Because it's like, yo, it's still botany It's still an old plant, it's still agriculture And We've got to learn the science of cannabis before we start coming out, acting like we're going to limit things based on what we know. So I'm happy to see Big Pharma is struggling. I'm happy to see that Big Tobacco is struggling because they have been putting a stronghold around or stranglehold rather around the legalization efforts. And so we should hold them to that long term like stance for real, for real
0: okay i just had a flashback of the crack academic and uh all the people i know on adderall that are now not on adderall but on different type of drugs so woo, i'm a little nervous about big tobacco big pharma coming into the cannabis industry you know because this is all holistic and stuff well that's the thing they're representing
1: two like opposite ends of the spectrum that is like off the chain it's yeah. like you got the recreational only because that's what you think about with tobacco i mean this is all, all it has and then pharmaceuticals, like super rigid bio pharmaceutical and medical and i think where we're operating and we're seeing the biggest opportunities in the middle which is that wellness space and i get to do everything having fun is a wellness activity too, Yeah, you know? And so- yeah. Right, exactly. We'll so I just that. had a
0: flashback. And since we know that uh, the war on drugs epidemic was crazy in Detroit, let's go into our last and final hot topic of the episode where we talk about Detroit finally opening its application process. Wow. Yes. If you finally is right if you know the history of this program child yes so let me just give y'all a backstory because we did talk about it last week i mean not last week last season on she Blazed, uh literally last year last yes. season yes. um 2021 <laughs> where we know that it took a while for detroit to get us all its things together because they wanted to make it feel like it was legacy and uh people of the community coming into their industry cuz we know that it's been a little janky when people legalize especially mm-hmm. coming from their medicinal to adult use market. And so basically Detroit uh regulators gave this like I would say this ruling for legacy operators that said that they or legacy applicants mm-hmm. saying that they have to reside um 15 years of the past 30 years of Detroit, 13 years of the past 30 years and qualify for low income. Mm-hmm. So those that's the second bullet and or reside 10 of the past 30 years in Detroit and have a controlled substance uh, conviction or a parent having that during childhood. Well, they was not... Feeling it. And by they, this one woman in particular, her name is allegedly Crystal Lowe, she filed a lawsuit immediately halting all process of continuing um, into adult use applications for these legacy users. Because as far as she's concerned, she felt like it was a discrimination because she basically from Detroit and that she lived there 11 of the past 30 years. And so, you know, she couldn't figure out how to wait for more years to qualify for the application. And, you know, word on the street is, honey, don't nobody even know who sister Crystal Lowe is. We can't get a picture of LinkedIn, can't tell you black, white, or anything in between. So I'm just saying that the judge was like, that's fine and dandy, but this year we're going to have to, keep it moving. So they roll past that lawsuit and now they finally open their applications, which are now available until October 1st. Gotcha.
1: Well, you know, Detroit has a predominantly black city, So we, I think we're into this social equity element with Detroit that it should be fairly easy. Like, okay, other places we haven't been able to use race conscious language. And so you're not going to need to do that here because 90% is black. And they were the ones that were over police in Michigan by far. A lot of arrests related to cannabis and other controlled substances, right? Um, even mass stories about how the CIA is involved in that. And so I definitely think we applauded like the effort on what was written, even using the term legacy. Um, but right now it's been a bit of a mess because of litigation. And again. I feel like it does feel like is this a was it a real case or was it just a way to slow down the pace of things? I'm not sure. You never know. Because, again, we don't have all those details. Um, the but, streets do. Well, of course, the streets do. I'm not the streets at this point. I mean, I can hear uh, the streets. word I on do. the street
0: is, you know, you can be from detroit and you know live anywhere and still pay your taxes there word on the street is if enough money comes behind you it is very easy to keep a lawsuit in the court for over a year and um change so word on the street is that yeah this is some funny business that's Slow down the process for a lot of people, but maybe it helped the other people get their ducats in order so they could actually apply for the first round. I'm sure it did. I mean, that would have happened last year. And if
1: you even know more about other states and the like, and other things are happening in other parts of Michigan, you start to get further down the line. So hopefully it prepared more really, truly Detroit legacy um business owners who want to get into the space i know that they have a lot of different license types but they're still kind of capped a little bit it's a city it's not for the whole state so i do think there's going to be some thought of it but i i kind of still always feel like putting a cap um it should be a like temporary like first
0: round only let's see how this goes kind of thing right yeah uh i love that first round only let's see how it goes because i definitely won't be one of the people in the first round. i feel like let y'all go ahead burn that money and (laughs) figure it out as the application changes a bunch of times but this first phase they are only releasing 60 licenses which is different from the last time so they decided to go a little bit lower Mm -hmm. um 40 being for retailers, 10 for consumption lounges, and 10 for micro business. And like you said, this is the city. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of parts of Michigan that has their adult use up and running already. Already. So they're like, let's take a smaller bite.
1: I think that also is helpful. I don't think it's going to lessen the amount of applications I get, but it is something that i curious about how they, uh, you know, positioned reducing the number of licenses based on what they initially said. Before the lawsuits.
0: True. Well, I think that basically they are just going to try and, you know, they have three phases during this first initial process. And I think they just want to see how many applications they get is why they lowered the number this time. And maybe they realize that they might not even have an office set up to really push their applications through.
1: I also just want to note that they put uh, something similar to like... um, Connecticut, where they're talking about how many years you spent in a particular place. And um, I don't think that that's necessarily happening in New York, even though there's been a lot of gentrification. I am also curious about the fact that it's like 15 of the last 30. Um, 30 years ago is actually not that long ago. It was only in the night. Don't look at me. So (laughs) my point more so being is that what happens if I was living there for the 30 years prior to the 1990s. I grew up in the 1960s to the 1990s in Detroit, which was shoot 'em up, corrupt city, do crazy ish to people, especially in the 70s and the 80s. So I'm wondering this time frame. I understand when we think about like slavery is so far ago, but the 1960s is actually not that long ago. um, And they consider
0: those people part of the hip hop generation. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, my dad would say he is hip hop.
1: Yes, your dad (laughs) was singing Fight the Power early, right? Like the point being is that I am not happy with how this is defined. Because if we're talking about real Detroit legacy, we're talking about people who started their families there uh, in the 1960s and the 1970s who have dealt with literally 20, 30 decades over the 70s, 80s, and the 90s that included over-policing, abuse, and all sorts of crazy underfunding of our Black and Brown communities there. Detroit is a 90% plus Black city, and that is the history of what happened. And I think trying to confine it to the what you think happened in the 2000s is ridiculous. Yes, that is that is true. So
0: it's already like, is this really legacy? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't, I wonder how they do other businesses that want to come and do business in their city. Um, but just for, just so you know, they're releasing over total, which is the same as pre lawsuit, 160 licenses. Okay. So the first phase is 60. Okay. And
1: then you'll have another 100. Well, good luck to the people who want to do a license. I definitely think if you lived in Detroit between um, 1960 and 1990, you should feel away. And I don't think that was the Crystal Lowe's like background. And so if that's who you are, y'all need to get civically engaged because who set this time frame but some mofos who only thinking about right, right now? 30 years ago was not very long ago. And I agree. The, pulse of like where the real damage was. It it just it happened so concentrated from 1970 on. And I think 1970, 1980 cannot be ignored. And if you live there, you grew up there, that is how you know um your youth like the time that you're supposed to be the protected was was you have a
0: right in my opinion to 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 claim that legacy. I agree. Um, so we will see how this plays out Also, over time. We will also see if there will be any other lawsuits blocking them. But uh, you know, Detroit, the D, they trying to get the coins running in, honey, mm-hmm. because as far as you're concerned, they are not selling no calls. They are not getting that many people other than the people that want to flip a house and dip. And um, that's about it. So
1: <laughs> that's true. This is very important. Um it's very important uh, industry for their money. Yeah. And I just am like, is it the right money? So we got to also do
0: another deep dive because I
1: cannot remember. Does your cannabis tax revenue go back to these communities?
0: Well, Michigan is also one of those ones that's been changing so much mm-hmm. as it's going as far as regulation, mm-hmm. new about initiatives. So Michigan is kind of a little bit more of a maze like i'm not gonna say California's not a maze but california is very much a boom 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 whereas michigan's like zigzags y'all it's like yeah and so you don't <laughs> know like they go backwards one minute next minute so i don't know it's we are gonna have to do a real deep dive because michigan is confusing as heck y'all <laughs> it is it is but you know what at the
1: end of the day it is a big market so we'll 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 have to sort through there's also a lot of black and brown people who are struggling with trying to figure out how to get in and so yeah. and they're
0: bringing celebrities in remy ma her cannabis line which is like pussy print or something like that is um in based out of Michigan. Oh, word? Yeah. That's
1: cool. Rebby Ma has got businesses based out of a lot of different states. He's got something down in North Carolina, too, so I know she's definitely thinking about where she's starting. And then you know you got Chris Webber with Players Only, and so um, uh, he's from Detroit, uh, the whole Five, 5. Um, far as basketball like, basketballs concerned, they were um, from inner city Michigan. So I am like hopeful that this can be interesting uh, for people who apply but I also want to encourage folks to just like get active because something's happening and it don't, like the math is
0: not math right me on certain things oh, definitely <laughs> and so, but this math is math and we are done. <laughs> We're at 30 minutes. Child. Okay. Well, yes. Well, it's like for that weekend, I want people to go out and have fun and cha 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 over there and over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we live in Brooklyn. And so we are going to be hearing a lot of loud music soon. So I'm trying to save y'all, Mike. Come on. That is
1: actually <gasps> true for you, uh, for sure. I think it's always going to have a little music in the background, but um, you can tell them where we're
0: going to follow us if they want oh, to. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. we got to end our episodes. Yes. Too. Sorry. Obviously, I'm like, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you guys follow us on IG as she underscore blaze. Yay. You would have got to see a lot of great hits from the US open because we were there this past week. And um, make sure you listen to us anytime or replay us whenever you want on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, anywhere you hear us. Like and subscribe to our YouTube at the We Head because you can see She Blaze and much more. And maybe you might want to follow me on that Cannabis Socialite on Instagram. She
1: says it like she's going to accept your follow request and so if you really want to see some content then you'll follow me at Twitter and Instagram at Dashida Dawson yeah I just laid down the chat. Oh my like, god did the know, sun just come? The Zillennial is not beating
0: this exennial in social media. Okay um, <laughs> excuse me did the is the sun out or something? Uh, because you just gave me a whole lot of shade. I did. I'm sorry. Alright Well, <laughs>
1: so that means
0: it is definitely time ago you guys and thank you guys for joining us and listening in and make sure you check the description because we have all the info to our hot topics and join us next week all right Bye. bye. bye